Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time. Your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscored team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscored.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. In part one of our coverage of John Juca, you heard about how a corrupt investigation turned a group of friends against one of their own, producing initially three and eventually a fourth false and conflicting testimony that led to John's arrest and conviction. Now, hear about his continuing fight for freedom and where the case stands today. They're taking things from me that I'll never get back. You know, they took all my 20s and now all my 30s too. And now they're going to start working on the 40s, unless something happens. When I came upstate, they automatically started trying to go to the law library a lot. But it's hard to even get up out of bed in the morning knowing what's being done to you. But you want to just try to keep going on, which I did. And I tried to, I was going to the law library every day at one point, trying to get to know the law. And that's when I saw that my prosecutor, Nicolazzi, used the prosecutorial misconduct handbook as like a playbook even though all those things are considered egregious misconduct. And my lawyer, whose name was Lloyd Epstein at the time, said that that's your major issue right here because there's so much here. This is just a case based off of words. And so they had to beef up their case with misconduct and pulling every dirty move that they could. She suppressed evidence more than once that we could prove between coercing witnesses, misstating the full record, or even misstating the law. She told the jury that and this was in my first appeal, that what Lauren said alone is enough to convict me of felony murder. And that's not really true either. But it's all that is moot now because of the recantations. But the major one was, besides her polygraph trick, was the whitewashed drug program violation documents that they gave us. So they literally whitewashed records that they gave us for John Avito. They put him up on the stand and got him to say that he wasn't getting anything and didn't want anything in return for his testimony. No leniency and no benefits at all. Meanwhile, he just fucked up seven or eight drug programs and got, like, all these violations, and he just got violated, like, a couple of days before he was on the stand up there. But they gave us drug program violation reports that didn't have any of that stuff on there. And then later, when we got the case file... 
we got the real copy of the exact same document. It's the same document. It's not a different document. It's the exact same. If you hold them up to each other, they are the same document, but they have more sentences in them. So somebody just highlighted that part, pressed delete, and printed it out and gave it to us. Then the Supreme Court judges have said for years that is huge, that's major, that the jury knows the credibility of someone and what their motive is for testifying against someone. They just propped him up there and made it look like he was just testifying to be a good citizen and that he didn't want anything in exchange for his testimony. It was a total lie. He even showed up to one of his court appearances and made sure he didn't go to jail. That was my first appeal, the prosecutorial misconduct stuff. But then, really, those early years were more about my juror misconduct issue. I understand that one of your friends was with your mom and noticed somebody in the jury that he recognized. Do I have that right? Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was the day of the verdict. Someone came in to support me, and he saw one of the jurors, and he was like, holy shit, I know this guy from the neighborhood, and he hangs out at the Wenzel's house, and that's the same place John always hangs out. How the fuck does this guy not know John or know of John or something? You know, how this is weird. So he told my mother. And then your mom puts on her literal superhero cape and goes and you got to hear. I'm speaking to the audience now. You're going to have to hear this to believe it. She's unbelievable. I can't say enough about Doreen. My mother tried to go to a private investigator first. She got ripped off, tried multiple private investigators. And she just had to take matters into her own hands, and she did. And then I think they found out through a a barber or something like that exactly where he was from and who he was. She watched him for a period of time and eventually started communicating with him, and they started hanging out. Now, of course, she was not known to him to be John Juca's mother, but she recorded her interactions with him. They began an ostensible friendship. And after a period of time, she started talking about the case. And this guy, Allo, started saying things that would make your jaw drop or make you spit out your morning coffee if you're talking about due process and having a fair and impartial jury. He said that he read the newspapers and watched TV all about the case, even though the judge warned him, I think it was like 13 or 15 times not to. And he's called that bullshit. He said that he couldn't get off for work because his boss really didn't want him to take off for jury duty. But once he told him about which case it was, his boss gave him off and said, I want to see that fucking kid fry. Told him he'll give him off with pay, something like that. All kinds of things were coming out of this guy's mouth, including admitting that that he never should have been on the jury because he knew some of the people. I've heard of this crowd of kids. He said that his cousin, who also used to hang out at a house that I hung out at before and knew those guys, and she thought I was guilty. So she told him that I was guilty. He said his cousin wouldn't lie to me about something like that. Another thing was that he said, which is guys that I used to hang out with used to bully his brother. I didn't even recognize the names that he was talking about, but guys that I knew or that who knew me used to bully his brother. So it was like revenge. He had an axe to grind. And he also basically said that he didn't like Jews. Obviously, the name Juca sounds like Jew, but it's very Italian, not Jewish. He's not even a competent anti-Semite. He's wrong on every conceivable way, morally bankrupt, mentally deficient, just can't even (laughs) process this. And there is that famous 
cringe-inducing interview on 2020, where when this became public, Jason Allo actually made the very ill-advised decision to defend himself on TV, and he was interviewed by Martin Bashir, if you remember him. And, you know, he was denying a lot of this, where Bashir is reading the transcript and playing the recording for anyone and everyone to hear. And there's just no question that the case should have been tossed because of the juror misconduct. He said that pushed the other jurors into a guilty verdict. He even admitted that he was pushing these other jurors into a guilty verdict. When they filed a motion to reverse the conviction on that issue, the recordings were not authenticated. There are rules of evidence in a courtroom. You can't just take someone's word for it. And for whatever reason, those recordings were not authenticated in the proper way. And so the motion was denied on procedural grounds. But the judge who denied the motion went farther and said, even if it was proper, I would deny it on the merits because this is, you know, an assault on the judicial system for somebody to be going after a juror. So the criticism was actually leveled entirely at Doreen for exposing this rather than the juror who clearly had no business being on the case. She didn't do anything wrong. She didn't commit any crimes. It was just she dug for the truth and she got it. They didn't like what they found out or what they heard. So I got involved in this in 2012. was contacted by Doreen, John's mother, or who some know as Mother Justice, because of what she did trying to unravel the conviction. When she showed up in my office with just stacks of papers, the first piece of paper that was on top of this whole pile was a transcript in the people of the state of New York versus John Avito not John Juca. And it was the court appearance in which Avito had gone to court after he started meeting with John's prosecutor. Now, on the cover of any transcript, it's going to list the caption of the case, the name of who appears for the DA's office, who appears for the defense, that sort of thing. And the appearance for the DA on the cover of this transcript in June 13th of 2005 was Anna Siga Nicolazzi, who was John's prosecutor. And there was no reason why a homicide prosecutor on the biggest murder case in New York City would be appearing on a mundane, meaningless return on warrant for some mope who had a, a burglary sentence because he violated a drug program other than the fact he had to be cooperating in the murder case. And so I knew within the first day I met Doreen that th this case was sideways. And all of this is happening in the ramp up to the historic run of Ken Thompson. It seemed like he was really ready to change things for good in Brooklyn. There was some story in the press during the election in 2012-13 because we were in the process of trying to get Juca's conviction overturned. And a lot of this news about Angel DiPietro came out. And again, the idea that she could be hired by Hines as a prosecutor and be Nicolazzi's colleague years later, just so absurd on his face that he asked me about what is all this? In my view, he wanted to campaign on Juca, ironically enough. And maybe it was my mistake at the time, but I told him, I don't want to talk to you about anything Juca related because you're probably going to be the next DA. And I'm telling you right now, I'm going to be coming to you to right this wrong. 
And I look back and one of my sins in this case is probably not unloading to him because ironically, what he would have probably done is campaigned on it. So Ken Thompson challenges Hines against long odds in the primary. He wins. And what does Joe Hines do? He's got to go to the GOP Kings County Executive Committee and get the Wilson Pacula waiver to allow him to run as a Republican. He pulled the sneaky political move and he used that card when he needed it. So it was something that he was always getting during all of his elections just in case he needed it. But in 2013, he actually needed it and used it and ran as a Republican to take a second bite at the apple and try to win the race, even though he lost the primary. So now, Mark, at this point, you're thinking this is your time. you got Ken Thompson in. It's time to resolve this once and for all. Yeah. The idea here was to convince the incoming administration of the Brooklyn DA's office that the Heinz crowd got this wrong, and here's a chance to do right. When we did bring the case to the Conviction Review Unit, we presented them with all kinds of evidence, including literally hundreds, if not thousands of pages of medical records of John Juca Sr., who had the strokes that we talked about, which meant that the Avito story couldn't have happened. We presented them with the sworn affidavits of the two women who were at that jailhouse visit who denied that conversation ever took place. We presented them with overwhelming proof of how Angel and Albert clearly testified falsely and how it contradicted what they told the police and contradicted all the other available evidence. We presented them with sworn affidavits of the residents of Argyle Road who explained how they heard the car door, the voice of the young woman, the car fleeing the location. And while this is in the CRU, we're talking 2013, 2014. Amazingly, this is when the recantations start rolling in. So in 2014, Lauren Calciano recanted, and I have some excerpts here that I want to share. She said, and this is a long quote, so hang in there with me because you have to hear every word of this. Okay, here's her quote. I have regretted this testimony since I was first pressured to claim this by law enforcement officials. I repeatedly told them that I did not have any information regarding John's alleged involvement in this crime. Law enforcement pressured and frightened me to the point that I ultimately relented and told them what they wanted to hear. Specifically, I was pressured to admit that John had told me that he gave Tony Russo a gun before Tony shot and killed Mark Fisher. She goes on to say, Law enforcement officials suggested that I was involved in the aftermath of the crime by telling me that Albert Cleary had told them that I removed a gun bag or evidence from John's house. Although this was untrue, I recognize the seriousness of this claim. Law enforcement officers threatened me with jail and told me that I could be charged with obstruction and or perjury. ADA Nicolazzi told me that if I did not cooperate with her, that police would show up at my place of employment with a subpoena. ADA Nicolazzi referenced a very personal issue between John and me, which was discussed only in our private letters. She told me, you do not want this to come out at trial. I interpreted this as a not-so-subtle threat that I would be publicly humiliated by the DA if I did not cooperate. ADA Nicolazzi and detectives told me that they were aware that my father was in prison and that by not cooperating with them, I was, quote, going to make this hard on him and my family. More than any other factor, this threat influenced me to testify in the manner that they desired. Now, this thing goes on for eight full pages, and it completely shreds the state's case. She also, in her affidavit, explained how Albert Cleary lied and that his testimony was false because I was there and he didn't say that either. In other words, what I said was not true, but what he said was not true either. And she also gave a little insight into what ghetto mafia was. Now, she didn't testify to what it was because she wasn't asked, but in her sworn recantation, she said, I was around these people during this time period and ghetto mafia is a name of a bunch of 
local kids and knuckleheads, not some sophisticated street gang. We also gave them a sworn affidavit from, if you recall, when we talked about Albert Cleary, the guy that he said was the boss of the gang who had spoken to John about, let's catch a body. And that's why maybe Mark Fisher was shot. And he very calmly explained under oath that I was going to college in North Carolina and I was not the leader of a gang. And John and I did not discuss how to get a body or anything like that. And then John Avito recants. He did. And Avito was very seriously mentally ill and he was a diagnosed paranoid schizophrenic. We got all of his Rikers Island jail records. And sure enough, he was a diagnosed paranoid schizophrenic who had been taking a number of drugs, psychotropic drugs, including Seroquel. And Part of his symptoms and what Seroquel treats are people who suffer auditory hallucinations, which Avito was. So it turns out that the guy who says, I overheard a man who can't speak, ask questions about a murder, you can't make this up, had a history of actually hearing voices. And seeing snakes was another one of his visual hallucinations. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation blogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. 
Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. We had many, many meetings with their conviction review unit, including one in the summer, I want to say, of 2014, which was chaired by Eric Gonzalez, who at the time was not the DA, obviously. Eric was overseeing the process, so he knew exactly what, what was going on here, and they declined to overturn the conviction, either on innocence or on any constitutional violations. They had Mark Hale call me to tell me, I believe the words were that the district attorney is not going to disturb the conviction. I have to be honest with you, I was a little surprised for a couple of reasons. One, because the decision is wrong, but I know Ken, and I would have expected that call to come from him, given what this was. And I said that to Mark, and I, I asked, I'd like to hear that from Ken. So I was hoping to get in touch with Ken, and instead I got a call from Eric, who at the time was, you know, the number two guy. Eric's a nice guy. We had a conversation, and I told him I was disappointed that Ken couldn't find the time to tell me himself and explain his reasoning. And this was in late 14, and by the first couple months in 15, we filed the motion. It's just really... Disappointing is not a strong enough word. It's devastating. And even with Ken Thompson in there, they just for some reason had some sort of a block against doing this. The worst part about it for me was that all these other guys, they were like, when Ken Thompson took office, there were 25 exonerations, and that gave me so much hope. And at this point, I've almost ceased to hope because of what they did to me. Although the difference between me and all those other guys is that the ADA that put them in jail doesn't work there anymore. But when it came to me, when Ken Thompson got elected, he didn't fire Nicolazzi. So she did still work there. And they covered for her instead of doing justice like they should have. I mean, there was all the pile of mountain of evidence that pointed away from me. And they just didn't care. They denied me and used what we gave them to try to counter me. They knew that there was no way in hell that if they denied his review, that there wasn't going to be a post-conviction motion. So I believe that they exploited our petition to gather evidence to cross-examine witnesses and use it as discovery. And when John Avito and Lauren Calciano and others at risk to themselves, they're controverting sworn testimony with new sworn testimony. When they went in to see the conviction review unit, what the DA did was record them, swear them in, make transcripts, and put them under oath. When the Brooklyn DA witnesses were interviewed, Anasiga Nicolazzi, others, they weren't sworn. There's no record of their interviews. And the report has never been made public. It's never been shared like so many others that they do share. But it's as if they viewed the Juca conviction review as an exercise in preparing for a post-conviction motion and locking down these witnesses to cross-examine them if they testify for the defense. So now after the CRU decided, for reasons I'll never understand, to pass, you got set up to file a 440 motion. That culminated in a reversal in February of 2018. Yeah, I got a unanimous decision. This case should be reversed and he should get a new trial. Well, I got the reversal of the John Avito issue and the fact that Nicolazzi did give him benefits. The DA showed up to a witness's court hearing and kept him from going to jail. And that is leniency in exchange for a testimony. My jury should have known about that. And then 
I go back down to Rikers Island and I sit there for a year and a half. When the DA was contemplating a retrial, they actually, so desperate to get Juca, okay, that they sent these detectives up there to interview Russo for one reason. They want to secure his cooperation to testify against John. Now, Antonio Russo is the murderer in this case. Everybody knows it. They know it. Antonio Russo carried a gun, threatened people, yet when it came time to potentially retry the case, they went up there for the purpose of trying to flip Russo to testify against Juca. And instead, what he tells them is, I did it alone with my own gun. And that was the end of their discussions with Antonio Russo. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zigazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zigazoo is moderated by real live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. Oh, <laughs> I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun. Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. Oh, my friends love it. I love that it's kid-safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Uh, that's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. So now you're back at Rikers for a couple months. And during the discovery process, you discover this recording that was made with a guy named Ingram. ADA Nicolazzi made a recording in 2005, before the trial that was recorded. And this was a guy who was probably trying to help himself somehow. You know, he told them he had information. And he said things that she didn't want to hear because it did pretty much clear me. So they had withheld it for, I think, what was it, 13 years? This tape was not disclosed prior to trial. It was disclosed to me 
in 2018. And Joseph Ingram was in the same cell block as John and traveled to Bellevue for medical treatment one day with Antonio Russo. And him and Russo were on the bus chit-chatting. He said Russo admitted he did this alone. That I wasn't there. I had nothing to do with it. None of that. And Russo admitted to Ingram that I tried to get John to take the gun after the murder. I went to his house and he wouldn't do it. He told me, leave, go, no. And this was the exact opposite of what the trial evidence was. Again, Bahari says John got rid of a gun. Antonio Russo told Joseph Ingram John would not take the gun. But the new trial was never actualized. So for now, they didn't have to contend with this evidence. In June 2019, the New York Court of Appeals reinstated the conviction that you had reversed in 2018. And John went back to state prison. The New York State Court of Appeals authored a decision that is so absurd it defies logic. And it was obvious by their decision that they didn't know the facts of the case. Although they agreed with us that Nicolazzi suppressed evidence, they argued it was not material to the outcome of trial, which is reasoning, which is mind-boggling, given that Nicolazzi's whole summation, as I told you earlier, was about how critical a witness Avito was and how credible he was and how altruistic he was and how he established the real theory of what happened. And one would think that if the defense had known the full story about his credibility and demolished him as it should have been, that would somehow have impacted the significance of his testimony. But in the 5-1 opinion against us, they argued it wasn't material because Avito had been impeached about other things. And it was Judge Rivera in a very lengthy dissent who explained why that reasoning was flawed and why his credibility on this particular issue is so important and why the behavior of the trial prosecutor was intended to mislead the judge, the jury, and defense. You don't usually see a judge of the Court of Appeals call out a prosecutor and essentially say, you engaged in deliberate misconduct in violation of your ethical responsibilities. But again, in Brooklyn, what's for dinner? nobody, Nobody cares. They do care it seems, though, about bending over backwards and doing mental gymnastics to maintain this inexplicable wrongful conviction, which it seems they did when you were able to get a hearing on this Brady material, this recording that was made with a guy named Ingram in front of Justice Danny Chun. Now, I have sworn statements and there's been sworn testimony from Russo's lawyer and from Sam Gregory that they didn't get this evidence and they would have remembered it if they did. And then we had testimony from Nicolazzi who said, I can't say whether I did or didn't, but if I did, it wasn't on purpose, but I probably did. And this was litigated a couple of years ago in front of Justice Chun, who found that the DA probably disclosed it, notwithstanding the fact that they explained why this would have been significant evidence and steps they would have taken had they known about it back then. But nevertheless, Justice Chun found that we did not satisfy our burden, that it wasn't disclosed. And I just respectfully because I like him personally, but the ruling on that case is just flat out 100% wrong. So that's where this is at. What can I, what can any of us do to help? Writing to the governor is probably best right now because I really don't see myself getting justice in Brooklyn, in these courts, with these judges, and with this DA. So I need to get a special prosecutor appointed, and the only one who can do that for me is the governor. That's my next motion, I'm pretty sure. All right, I'm going to link your website and Instagram account to keep our audience abreast of 
all future developments and action steps, as well as if they wanted to learn more about your case. Yeah, we've got briefs, transcripts, exhibits. One thing we definitely believe in is shining a bright light on this. And with that, we go to closing arguments. This, of course, is the part of the show where I'm going to put my microphone down, leave my headphones on, kick back in my chair, close my eyes, and just take a couple of deep breaths because I need it after this, and listen to anything else you guys want to share. So, Mark, why don't you take it from here and then hand the mic off to John. And, John, you have the last word. And, you know, my last word is I just wish you all the best, and I hope we see you back in the free world, home with your family where you belong really, really soon. We are always investigating, gathering, and doing things. As I said, these John, his mother, his family, his supporters, sometimes they fade out of the public eye a little bit, but we're always getting ready to fight, and we are still looking into certain things, which, as I said, I think will at some point lead us back. They want us to be gone, but we're not going anywhere. I, I, I know that, you know, in the eyes of the Brooklyn DA at this point, they just wish we would go away and fade away and he would do his time and Doreen would stop fighting. And why did they get Bedero to help them? He, how can he fall for this nonsense? You know, I know that's kind of how they perceive my involvement of this. And they couldn't be more wrong. I believe in this 100%. I have no doubt that John was wrongfully convicted. I have confidence in his actual innocence. I believe to my core that he didn't commit this crime. I And that's after reviewing all the evidence. And I certainly believe and know based on my review of the evidence and the law that his rights were violated several different ways. And that this was not a trial. What happened in 2005, it was a railroading. It was just Brooklyn-style justice in the Charles Hines administration. And those skeletons are still there. It's not so far past where people are going to be willing to forget about it. And certainly we aren't. And we're not going anywhere. It's just been too much suffering for too long. You know, it's wrong. Piled on top of wrong. Piled on top of injustice. Piled on top of injustice. like an ongoing tragedy. This is, not only am I being affected, but my family is being crushed from this. They took my youth from me and all the experiences I would have had. And I feel like a financial burden on my family too, like an anchor around their neck. And my mother is getting older now. I'm afraid she, I pray every day that she, I can come home while she's still alive and she makes it. And they took all that time away from me that I was supposed to have with her. And being in prison wrongfully is much different than being here for something you actually did. That's what me and a lot of these other guys have already been on your show have in common, I think, is that we understand what it feels like. That's why I feel like kinship with them, some of them who I even never met, because when you're here for something you actually did, I see it, these other guys, they get into a routine and they just, they they accept it. But when you're here wrongfully, it's impossible for you to accept. You just really can't accept it. So every day becomes torture. Thank you for listening to Wrongful Conviction. Special thanks to our amazing production team, Connor Hall, Annie Chelsea, Jeff Clyburn, and Kevin Wardis, with research by Lila Robinson. The music in this production was supplied by three-time Oscar-nominated composer Jay Ralph. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Wrongful Conviction, on Facebook at Wrongful Conviction Podcast, and on Twitter at Wrong Conviction, as well as at Lava for Good on all three platforms. 
You can also follow on TikTok and Instagram at It's Jason Flom. That's It's Jason Flom. Wrongful Conviction is a production of Lava for Good Podcasts in association with Signal Company Number 1. Infinity Presents, a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media. But now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is an investment legal or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. 